and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Sunday evening for me. I'm currently overseas for a couple of days. Uh, before I head to Vegas for our Hoop Collective live show, which we'll talk about and remind you about a little later. Joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana, where he has traveled ahead of the Eastern semifinals, Celtics at Pacers, uh, slated for Monday night, is Tim Bonteps. Hello, Brian. Before we start, we got Dan Stanzik producing today for Jackson. And I'm going to shout out my guy, Ryan Gensler, high school friend of Dan Stanzik, who we've talked about before on the pod, Akron's women's head coach. Last game beat Pitt, dramatic win, second win, big win for Akron women's who's beating a power five school. So with Dan on here, I wanted to shout Ryan out because I know he listens and that was pretty awesome. Very excited for him. It's amazing that you're friends with, with, uh, with a guy in Akron who's coaching at Akron. It's very ironic. I think he would, some would say. Can you get any gear? Um, we have gear. <laughs> gears, gears allegedly coming at some point. We'll see when. I'm when sorry. It, when it, when I don't comes, know who I'll that be is. wearing it. You haven't been introduced yet. So oh. just sit back there and get ready for your optimism <laughs> following the Mavericks' extremely strong finish on mm-hmm. Saturday night. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, the one, the only, Van McMahon. Howdy, partners. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and be a fountain of negativity. I'm going to continue pumping sunshine. I will say this. The fact that you're overseas right now concerns me. Actually, it excites me. It excites me because there's going to be some travel involved. (laughs) And by the time you get to Vegas, there will be some windy sleep updates. And we know how the people love those WSUs. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to get a Ban McMahon sleep update right now. I was up past 4 o'clock in the morning last night uh, because, you know, sometimes you cover a game and – you're there at the arena late and walk out of the arena until like after one o'clock. Luca took a sweet time getting to his head right afterwards. So I don't well, blame him for that. <laughs> right, exactly. I uh, get home and like you like you, you know, your blood's pumped, man. You can't go to sleep. That game is a top three regular season thriller that I've ever seen live. Top three. And I'm talking about the Mavericks going on a 30-2-0 run, which is far a last sports bureau goes. First off. How, when we, I didn't see the stat. When was the last time there was a 30 0 run in the NBA in any game? They don't know. They don't know. The, the data goes oh back God. to, I believe, they what was know. it, 97, 98? Yeah, 96, 97, or 97, 98 is the first, uh, the last like play by play thing. So, yeah, not, not, not in that span, uh, according to Elias Sports Bureau. Um, and so they go from down 24 to up six, and Luca, proud new papa, Luca Doncic, baby. No Kyrie, no Tim Hardaway Jr., no Josh Green, you know, on down the line. Dante Exum uh, also had a baby, so he was he was out. <laughs> I mean, this 30-nothing run was a six-minute masterpiece. Dude had seven points, seven assists, just finding guys all over the floor. Derek Lively Jr. or Derek Lively the second rather is dunking everything. I mean, wow, unbelievable. From down 24 early in the fourth to up six, and then it, it this had everything of Luke. It was a, what, 36-point, 15-rebound, 18 assists, just, I mean, spectacular performance. And then there was a whistle that didn't go his way. He admitted it was probably a travel, but it, his point was, man, you can't call that for the first time all game. That, that call should, if you're going to blow the whistle, blow it 20 times every game. And he lost his Listen, a lot of times Luca has a point. A lot of times yeah. when Luca is upset, he has a point. 
Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean he should get out of position. That's that, I think that's anybody would say that who wasn't that, you know, pro that, Luca. That, and he admitted, you know, he was exhausted. The guy played 46 minutes last night. He rested for two minutes in the second quarter, and that was it. And he let his frustration get the best of him. Had a he said the play that cost him the game was an inbounds pass where Shea Goose Alexander stole it transition layup. Suddenly the the thunder up four in the last minute there. That was right after a timeout. The before the timeout, Luca got you know, got torched by Jalen Williams, who went in for the go-ahead bucket. Now, Luca's point is, hey, Jalen Williams made the, pretty much the same exact move I made that they called for a walk. Why didn't they call him? And then the game ends. Luca's got a few choice words for the ref, Mitchell Irvin, you know, another ref. Mad security kind of gets in the way, make sure things don't escalate. But, I mean, <laughs> this had all, like, all the elements of the Luka Doncic show were on display in Dallas last night. They just weren't able to finish that one off but i was there when russ broke the triple double record right and that's when he scored the last 13 points to lead a crazy comeback in denver he capped it with a uh about a 35 footer at the buzzer to win it give him 50 points eliminate the nuggets from the playoffs and still get a standing ovation from the denver crowd uh and then the other one that that comes to mind as far as just the most memorable like heart pumping regular season performances is that 60 point 21 rebound 10 assist triple double by Luca where he had remember he missed the free throw on purpose flips it in does the crazy happy dance to send it in overtime and then finishes it off by the way at that game sitting uh court side mid-court was a gentleman named Patrick Dumont who is now going to be the uh, Mavericks new governor <laughs> I don't think I don't, I don't know how much the man really cares about basketball but as he was walking out of the arena that night, he said, uh, it's like this every night, right? <laughs> How about Chet Holmgren making a few plays down the stretch in that one for yeah. the Thunder? Um, by the way, speaking of interesting games last night, I'm just going to state a few facts, okay? I'm just going to state a few facts. I'm not – I'm going to say three things. Just That's all. Chicago Bulls saw Zach Levine miss his second straight game with a foot injury. Hmm. Chicago Bulls won their second straight game. Hmm. Chicago Bulls – set a new high high for assists in their second straight game. Hmm. That's all. These are just are three, three things I wanted to say. Are, are those related at all or just three separate items? I don't know. I just said it. Okay, that's all. That's all. All right, let's talk about let's look forward here and uh and uh talk about um the the semifinals. We got the first ever in-season tournament semifinals. No games on Sunday because the NBA had to plan for all teams to potentially travel and who knows who was going to play. So no mm-hmm. games on Sunday, unusual. So a heavy load um, on uh, like Friday and Saturday because of it, or especially Friday. So, okay, uh, let's start uh, with the game that you're going to be at, Bontemps. Uh, the Pacers hosting this the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics have had several days off to prepare for this game. Uh, they're 15-4. and four. Um, generally been the most impressive team in the league to this point. Got a uh, a strong win over the uh, 76ers on Friday. You were at the game. I understand that Embiid and Maxi didn't play in that game, but they I was did. Say, I don't know if out. I'd call it. A, I don't know if I'd call it a strong win. I would say they won. Well, it was a win over the 76ers, which could have significant value later on. They are now sure. two and one against the 76ers this season. Tyrese Halliburton missed Saturday night's Pacers game. The Pacers still won. That was um, Hallib- yeah, uh, they put up 140 even without him. I think it was 140. 140 yeah, yeah. So score. Bontemps, um, I I believe he had an upper respiratory infection, but he's also had a sore knee. So Halliburton's availability, I don't know. 
if they were protecting him, getting him ready for a Monday, but obviously Halliburton's availability is probably, um, I'm not sure if there's an update on uh, whether Porzingis will be available at the calf injury, but Porzingis' availability is, I mean, uh, Halliburton's availability has got to be the number one thing coming into this game. Right, we're doing this on Sunday afternoon, so we're not exactly sure what the status updates will be for Monday's game. I will just say I will be truly stunned if Tyrese Halliburton is not playing in this game the first time in his career. He will be playing on TNT in the in-season tournament quarterfinals, something the Indiana Pacers have made very clear, including a story I wrote when I talked to Tyrese mm-hmm. and Rick Carlisle a couple weeks ago. They've taken very, very seriously. Uh, so I, I, I think if he can walk, he'll be on the court. Now, will he be 100%? Maybe this bone bruise in his knee is an issue. We'll see. The last game he played uh, – against they, they played a, a two-game set against the pacer or against the heat uh in the game he played thursday just in case people didn't see he only had 44 points on 15 for 28 shooting went six for 16 from three had 10 assists three steals and two turnovers so if he's anything like that version of tyrese alberton the pacers will have a chance in this game uh i do think there's a chance chris has will play we will see um, I would say that's probably a lot closer to 50-50 based off people I talked to on Friday in Boston at, at Sixers Celtics game. He's been dealing with his calf injury, missed a week, a little over a week now. Um, got hurt last Friday against Orlando, but I think there's a chance he'll play. Either way, I think Boston's going to win this game. They are very well suited to play this Pacers team. They've got maybe the two best defensive guards in the league in Derek White and Drew Holiday that they can throw at Tyrese Albert in the whole game. And for as fun as the Pacers are, the thing we have talked about them a lot is they are incredible on offense and incredible at giving up points at the other end. And flammable on both ends. Yes, flammable on both ends. And I, I think in, in a matchup like this, playing probably the most well-rounded team in the league, it's it's not the best draw for them. I think it would have been a lot better for the Pacers, frankly, if they'd gotten matched up with Milwaukee, if the Bucks had wound up as the wild card. Because I, I do think that's a better matchup for them, given they could just maybe outscore the Bucs uh, in a game. But Boston Boston's a little bit of a tricky matchup. So I'll take uh, the Celtics, but it'll be a fun one. A little, little bit of a tricky matchup. The Celtics uh, were held to 155 points when they played the Pacers earlier this year. Yes. Um, now, that was. To be the- fair, that is the, the, the second game Tyrese Halliburton did not play this year. The first, the, right. the, the Sir, first one, like, the second one being the game Saturday. Everybody who who watches the NBA is praying that Tyrese Halliburton plays in this game. Uh, nobody wants to see a 51-point margin in, in an in-season tournament quarterfinal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Celtics are, are the favorites here. Hope Tyrese Halliburton plays. If he does, it, it, it could be fun. And in the spirit of heading to Vegas, I am ha- – have we seen an over-under on this game? There's got to be – what is that? Is it like 400? I will tell you. I will tell you right now. The Crazy. Uh, assuming there's a lot. Hold on, let me let me make a serious guess. I'm going to say the over under uh, in this game is 258 points. Well, maybe there isn't a line because of the injuries. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not seeing it. No, uh, Celtics seeing it. Uh, at our site, Celtics four and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. I would take Boston over under of 238 and a half. Ooh, I'm taking over. I'm taking over. Wait, no, I can't take over. I'm not allowed to bet on the NBA stuff. But you are. How can you? How can you possibly? uh, This is why I don't understand. I don't bet on sports. I don't bet on really anything. Uh, How can you possibly bet without knowing the availability of the players in this game? Well, there's no way. Probably should wait for the Halliburton news, but yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, like just in general, like availability of star players, like, <clears throat> I don't want to go down this well, that, that That's why the NBA it takes the injury report stuff so seriously. That's why teams they get don't, fun. but they don't take it seriously. Well, they don't take it. They, seriously. they pretend to at least. All right. Let's not go down that road. Buddy is all right. Phenomenal place for you to, uh, you know, <laughs> right. it's your gambling fix. Right. Okay. So, um, and boost my phone. You know, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see the atmosphere in the arena. Um, I did take a look and see how tickets are moving for this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot of tickets available at not high prices. Now, I again yeah. do not pretend to be an expert on uh, secondary market ticket sales, but when you right. go on there, you can kind of get a feel. I mean, because here's the thing: I have been in the you know th- that arena. And I is it called Banker's Life Fieldhouse? I, I uh, it's now Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Yeah, I've been there for many playoff games, mm-hmm. and that atmosphere in there can get terrific. The design of the arena, the, you know, it's a basketball only basically venue. There's no other tenant there, so the court, the, the permanent stands are very close to the court. It's similar to the way the design is uh, in Utah at the arena that's had seven names, but it started as a Delta center is back to the Delta center. Um, it's similar to that in way the permanent stands are on top of the, of the, of the crowd. It can be a terrific environment yeah. for a game, unfortunately. And part of it's because the Pacers haven't been good for a while. It, it just hasn't been a hard place to play in a while. So this is as big of a game as the Pacers have had at home in years. Well, to, I don't to even that know point, Pacers, time. to that point, according to our site, I'm just looking at it now, Pacers have the lowest average attendance in the league. Part of that's because they have a, a smaller uh, arena footprint, but 28th in uh, percentage of seats filled ahead of only Charlotte and Washington. Well, so, and it's, it's an interesting um, an interesting market because like Indiana is obviously known as a basketball state, but let's be honest, it's a high school and college basketball state. You, I think you can make a case that the NBA is third in terms of the, the, you know, basketball fandom ladder uh, in Indiana. And, you know, part of that is, like you said, because let's be honest, they've been bad and boring for a little bit. They ain't bad and boring anymore. I mean, they they sure as hell ain't boring. This is one of the most exciting teams in the league to watch at this point. Not that I think that the Celtics couldn't handle an NBA environment, even if it was playoff level. It would just, you know, the way things played out here, the Pacers get a huge advantage by having this game at home. They get the Celtics at home. You know, they mm-hmm. get an in-season tournament game at home. I mean, I don't know what the odds on that would have been at the start of the season. Pretty high. So, um, obviously Halliburton's availability is way more important. Obviously how the Pacers shoot the ball is very important. They need Buddy Heald, for example, to have a good shooting game. Um, they need, you know, they need to, um, they need to have their offense humming, you know, they need to get that, uh, score up there. You know, the Celtics can score with anybody, but the Pacers are better off every point that scored increases the pa- chances of the Pacers to win. So, you know, I'll be interested to see what that environment is like in uh, in Indiana for that one. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll be fun. And look, the Pacers. You mentioned who would have put odds on the Pacers going four and zero and and having a home court game. But like you know, like we've talked about before, Indiana to me really is sort of emblematic of what the, the upside of this tournament can be with having a, a young team on the rise with a bright young star. They now get a chance to have a marquee 
you know, national TV game with two games on the schedule. And the other game is, you know, with Sacramento and New Orleans playing with Zion Williamson and De'Aaron Fox and, you know, Brandon Ingram and Demontis Sabonis. Like that's a similar kind of game where you get a couple young teams trying to push into the top half of the conference, Sacramento trying to prove that they deserve to be there after doing so last year. Um, you know, I, that, I think it's a, the, the way the field played out, I think it's a fun mix of big markets and big stars and some of these younger upside teams that are going to get a chance to, you know, make a little run here and make some noise this week. Pacers offensive ratings up to 123.8. That leads the league by four full points. The Kings had the best in NBA history last year, 118.6. Um, <laughs> just to put it into perspective, what the Pacers are doing now, defensive rating that they ain't DFL. They're second to DFL in, in NBA history. Uh, 120.8 saved only by the Charlotte Hornets who somehow are 121.4. Yeah. I mean, the, the gap between the gap between the Pacers and Sixers who are in second is the same is is the gap the, between the Sixers and the 11th place Miami heat. It's pretty remarkable. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Okay, in the second game uh, out in Sacramento, uh, the Pelicans travel out there Hmm. to play the Kings. The Kings coming off a very strong performance uh, Saturday night, beating Denver at home. Denver was strong in this game. Uh, um, Joker Murray played, right? Well, Joker was strong. Um, Aaron Gordon came back from um, his injury and I think put up 17 points. Um, And uh, De'Aaron Fox, who's been red hot, was hot again, had a great performance, and they beat the the Nuggets in a strong win. So they're coming off, um, uh, you know. Murray did not play. It was a back-to-back for the Nuggets. And- okay, I, I need. I forgot to check on that. Um, but still, it was still a very good win. Uh, Jokic had a triple double. I think his eighth of the season. No, um, Jokic had thirty-six, thirteen, and fourteen. A triple double does not. And let me know, and let but, me hop in. Right. Let me hop in here. By the way, so Brian gave a nice speech the other day, reminding everyone who'd forgotten that Nikola Jokic is still good. Uh, I'm going to contribute a little further to that. A guy, Stats Williams, texted me last night going into the games and said Nicole Jokic had a chance to do something nobody's ever done this late in the season, which is lead the league in points, rebounds, and assists. Total points, total rebounds, total assists. Our guy, Stats, was tracking this all night. When the games ended, he was very excited, wanted to make sure I, I talked about it on the pod, that yeah. Nicole Jokic is now, on December 3rd, leading the entire league in total points, total rebounds, and total assists, something that nobody had ever done at this point in the season. I think Will Chamberlain was the only guy who had been second or better in all three by this point in the season. So there's your there, there's your daily pod reminder that Nikola Jokic remains very good at basketball. Incredible. Well, the reason I like that stat is because it's in total, which is not the average, obviously, but is an illustration that how being he available. plays basically yeah. every game. He did skip a game like a week ago, but he – Basically plays every game and he plays big minutes in every game until it's salted away. And um that matters. Well, and hey, he skipped the game so. a week ago and he let DeAndre Jordan go crazy and demolish the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, lot the lob <laughs> city DeAndre the came back, baby. Uh, but no, it, the and the I think the incredible thing about that is early on in Joker's career, the big question was, hey, is this pudgy guy ever gonna be in decent shape? And now he's like one of the most durable superstars in the league who 
just gets, you know, his arms slashed up, up on a nightly basis and, and keeps on playing heavy minutes and putting up unbelievable numbers. Uh, well, yeah, he's in Joe- better condition now, obviously, but I remember when they had that three overtime marathon uh, against the Blazers in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, people were questioning, yeah. you know, and he, and he was like, did I look like I was winded? Did I? He's like, I'm not winded. I'm fine. Like, I remember him saying that. And it was kind of like a, a fair point. Now, mm-hmm. he also became the two-time MVP after he got yeah. in better condition. So I think he would agree that there's both sides of it. But but Listen, anyway, he's he, not playing. Yeah, let's, I was going to say, let's get back to Kings Pelican. <laughs> oh, wait, can uh, I mention Pelicans, DeAndre was minus yeah. 17 in 10 minutes last night? Whoops. I'm sorry. Let's go on. Let's go on. I remain on the, I remain on the record that that Clippers loss was the most humiliating loss in the NBA this season. Uh, We, we agree. By the way, we should say Reggie Jackson also went crazy. Speaking of former Clippers, that was like (laughs) on the day, on the day they honored him as a returning former Clipper. We should say though, the reason the Pelicans were in this game is because they beat the Denver Nuggets that they won that group. They upset Denver and that's why that's why they're playing Sacramento in this game and why Denver, despite Jokic playing this well, is not in the quarterfinals of the yeah. tournament. No, the well, reason. Two hey, no, no, no. Hold on. Play, so. Hold on. Yeah. Let me say some positive stuff about the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> the reason the Pelicans are in this game is because the Mavericks defended their non-in-season tournament home court. Couldn't get their in-season tournament court down, but they defended their home turf beat the Houston Rockets who had a chance to clinch this group. And they said, no, 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 we're going to be state champs this year, baby. And sent the Pelicans to, well, not quite Vegas yet, but at least get a chance. Everybody, uh, everybody has defended their home court against the Rockets who lost to the Lakers in LA (laughs) on Saturday. Did you guys see the video? I'm trying to be positive. Sorry. Did you guys see the video of LeBron and Ime Udoka uh, Saturday night? He may, he may <laughs> has no problem. He may has no problem chirping with guys. He's chirped with guys for years. Yeah, I, okay, I let's, they were talking about stuffing. I don't think it was turkey related. Well, look, here, here's all I'm saying. Um, the, first off, if you see the video clip, the best part about the clip is you can't. You can see what he may saying, and you can try to be an amateur lip reader on that. You can't see what LeBron's saying, but the people behind Ime, several fans yeah. right behind Ime who may not have been able to hear what Ime was saying because it's a loud arena and he wasn't facing them, but certainly heard what LeBron was saying. Like their eyes, their jaws dropped, their eyes widened, they covered their mouths. Like, And then uh, the, the official ejected Ime and teched uh, LeBron. Now, I'm just going to say this. Obviously, if it ever, it never would reach this point. But if there was any coach in the NBA who I would give a chance of at least wrestling with LeBron for a few seconds, it would be Ime Udoka. There's two uh, coaches. There's two. And Ime is definitely I, – I might put him second on the list, but Ime, look, he's a big, tough <laughs> – I assume – I, I think I know the other one. Take a guess. I'm going to guess it's LeBron's coach. No. He'd be he's, – he's be on this. Jamal Mosley. I mean, Ime is like 6'7". Now, let's you know, just no, keep Ime, that Ime is Ime is 6'5". I actually just talked to him for a story oh. about dunking coaches the other day. He is 6'5". He's, he's big, still He looks like he's 6'7". Jamal Mosley is 6'8", in great shape, and the way he stays in shape is doing MMA training. I'm just okay. telling you. <laughs> you. You don't want to scrap with Jamal Mosley. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Jamal Mosley is never getting into that screaming match with LeBron. He does. Not. He, that's not his. That's not his temperament at all. Yeah. yeah. Jamal, Jamal great Udoka, dude. Saw Jamal last Ime night after Udoka his team got smacked right. by the Nets. He was still in a good mood. 
but Darvin Ham is an interesting concept. There. But but Ime's shoulders. Oh yeah. He when Ime's walking up and down that uh, sideline, it cuts an impressive. Uh, he's an impressive figure. Okay. Anyway, the everybody in Sacramento and the world are going to be so angry at us. <laughs> We've now spent fifteen minutes. Well, the Pelicans talk were on the <laughs> the Pelicans were on the other side of that game against the Bulls, where they moved the ball so well and put up one hundred and twenty five. Yeah. Um. So the Pelicans are. 11 and 10. They have a couple of impressive wins. Uh, they have beaten the Kings twice already this year. Both were at home in a baseball series before De'Aaron Fox came back from his ankle injury. Nonetheless, they are 2-0 against the Kings. That doesn't get negated to zero. Um, the big thing for them is that Trey Murphy is back from his knee injury. Um, he didn't play. I don't think he played on Saturday night. Well, they, he, played, they were on the second night of a back-to-back. He had okay. a really good night the night before. Yeah, he shot the ball. So they have him having him uh, to help stretch the court because their three-point shooting or outside shooting is is problematic is key. So that's important. Also, we talked in the last pod about Zion. Zion had another good shooting night um, in Chicago. He's shooting 67% over his last six or seven games. So they have Zion playing well. They have Trey Murphy back. So, I mean, they're they're coming in with a maybe a team that's better representative than the 11 and 10 that their record says. That said, they're 11 and 10. And they're coming into Sacramento, where I'm sure there's going to be a terrific environment. Oh uh, yes, for that game. Yes, look, that and, you talk about a place where the the environment is electric, like literally with the beam, uh, and a place that is fired up about their team, become their franchise becoming relevant again after being stuck in the desert for 16 years. Yeah, hey, this is going to be that will be a fun atmosphere in Sacramento. You can guarantee. Yeah, I'm I'm jealous I won't be at that one. I'm excited to be at this Indiana game. It's gonna be a great game. Yeah, but you're game. gonna be at two of the four. You're going up to Milwaukee. I know, on Tuesday. I know. I'm just saying that to McMahon's point, that game in Sacramento, that is gonna be an unbelievable environment because those fans are gonna be jacked up and that place is gonna be hopping. I think the Kings are gonna win that game. Mm-hmm. It Zion is a really tough matchup for the Kings. They don't really have a guy who can really take him on physically. He could just overwhelm Sacramento and beat them. Darren Fox, though, has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I I do think, frankly, that it's a problem for New Orleans that CJ McCollum is back and I assume will be starting in this game. I'd like their I like the lineup with Dyson Daniels at point guard better. They're much bigger. They're much, much more physical. I I just I don't like I don't like CJ being out there with the Aaron Fox being able to go at him time and again. Um, so, and I, and I think ESPN with the home ESPN court, crime, man, Bonson, I, and, bench our colleague, Wendy. Well, I, if you look at their hey. team, I think him coming off the bench makes more sense. It's going to be a awkward, well, also uh, awkward NBA summit next year when he shows up. Oh wait, those are on zoom now. Also is they've been better when Zion has played more at point, which they certainly started doing when CJ was out. So it's a, it's a bit of a challenge to sort of, to do to um to do all that, but no, you mean, know, listen, CJ CJ, is CJ can't put the ball in the basket, the ball. which is something Dyson Daniels doesn't always do. And in this game, they may need points. So <laughs> you think? Well, I mean, they're going to need points. It's it's just I mean, you know, I don't know. I also don't know if you want to get in a trap meet with Sacramento. I don't. Well, I don't hey, think the King the that. Kings were the Pacers last year, right? They were the best offense in NBA history, who couldn't stop anybody and managed to make it to the third seed in the West doing it. They're a little bit better defensively this year, but they're, you know, they still want to put the track spikes on. 
Yeah. And De'Aaron Fox has been just unbelievable. I mean, up to 30 points, shooting 49, a little under 48, 9% from the field. I mean, he's been, he just continues to get better. He's been great. But yeah, I, I picked Sacramento to win that one. I, I, I like their home court. I like De'Aaron Fox. That's, that's going to be a fun game, though. Okay, in the Tuesday semifinals, Knicks at Bucks, the first game, you're going to uh, head up, I guess, I-94, but I don't, what do you take to get, what's the highway from Indianapolis to Chicago? I can't remember. Pontins takes a private jet, dude. <laughs> I definitely do not. It is uh, 65, I believe. All yeah. right, what are we going to do? It is 65. 65. I know, by the way, McMahon. This segment sponsored I, by MapQuest. I know of multiple, <laughs> MapQuest. I don't. I think their check would bounce. I know of multiple instances in the last few years of uh, Bontemps being on a private jet. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I have been on a private jet. Well, hell, he has been on a private jet. You know what though? He on drinks multiple light on the private instances. jet. So that takes away that. Well, I better not say that. <laughs> too. Anyways, <laughs> domestic beer. Let's go on. Oh, oh my God! Well, I guess we know what he had when you guys dance. went out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess we know what he had when you guys went out for drinks last week. Yeah, but in New York, they still cost like eighteen bucks a pop. My God! I, I guess I guess we know who paid. McMahon had life sticker shock. We know what he drank. In, uh, we know who paid in New York. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, to take out a loan. All right. Anyway, I will say this. Um, the Knicks have been putting together some decent performances. Um, you've been in a number of their recent games, Bontemps. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, you look at them and are like, wow, this is a, a formidable team, but they do play hard almost every night. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brunson has been, I don't have the data in front of me to say this is the best stretch he's had, but it feels like it's the most impressive stretch he's had. And they're going to need something special from him, you know, heading up against Dame Lillard. So um, that's definitely a matchup uh, potential of being uh, really fun to watch. Well, these teams played in the in-season tournament first night of the games back at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of November. And all Jalen Brunson had was 45 points uh, in Milwaukee, getting whatever he wanted throughout the game in a game that uh, the Bucs narrowly escaped with a win. I think the Knicks are going to win this game. The Bucs have not been playing well. Yes, they they came back and beat Atlanta Saturday night. But as we've talked about a bunch, they've been scraping by and winning a lot of games close and ugly. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Knicks, who are playing pretty well, have a deep physical team. Uh, Jalen Brunson has already proven he can score a bunch on the Bucs. And if their other guys hit shots, it's always the key with the Knicks. If their supporting players hit shots, they're really, really tough to beat. When R.J. Barrett and especially Julius Randle and Quentin Grimes and are those guys are getting shots, and then you've got Brunson and Quickly at the head of the snake getting in the paint and scoring, they're they could be pretty tough to beat. Um, certainly, Celtics Bucks would be a lot of fun if we got that uh, for a second time already this season uh, on Thursday in the semifinals. But Celtics Knicks wouldn't be bad either, and I think that's what we're going to get. Yeah, big, hey, but you got big game Brunson, baby. You know, guy who he likes playing. He's got some history of success in these, uh, you know, uh, one and dones. Couple of and national championships at Villanova. It's true. You know, the, the second of which he was the guy on. Um, yeah, they're fired up about the tournament too. They were very excited uh, when that last Tuesday they were part of all those fireworks across the league, trying to get in, and they were they were pumped in a locker room afterward. They. 
I think they're motivated to to get a win. So it'll be um that'll be a fun game though. I'm excited to see it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and you know the thing about Tibbs is uh, he does successfully get the the get the team ready to play, and he'll have a couple of days. You know they don't they don't play Sunday Monday. Practices. They will be prepared. <laughs> yes. They will be prepared. Um, I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know if um, you know if there is some sort of. I'm not saying there's any sort of game plan or whatever. But like the fact that you know in the NBA you very rarely get to truly prepare for your opponent. Yeah. In this case, the fact that there is an extra day. Well, Tibbs is at a week I, to prepare. They found out last Tuesday they were playing Milwaukee. True, but they, I mean to actually run them through the paces. No, I know. I, I do they, think that's relevant. An, and they have the whole weekend off. Didn't 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 play since Friday. Had a nice win in Toronto to wrap up a back to back set of victories. I right, but they wouldn't have practiced game. on Saturday. So they had Sunday of no. Sunday, and then they have Monday. Uh, Tibbs so, probably got it. Nah, Tibbs is chilling. He's got his feet kicked up, watching some NFL <laughs> day. Nah, he's just it, probably having a few. Uh, domestic beers himself. He's he, he's not he, he's not an intense dude. He's probably not taking this too seriously, right? Not at all. Um, and then in the late game, the last in-season tournaments uh, quarterfinal is going to be at Crypto.com. The Suns traveling to play the Lakers. These two teams have played twice already. They were both very good games. They've split. Um, Devin Booker's back from his most recent injury that knocked. Out, he um, had a big performance against the Grizzlies on Saturday night. I think he had 34, 10, and seven. Uh, Kevin Durant continues having a terrific uh, scoring season. He put up 27 in that game. When these two guys play, they are formidable. They just haven't been able to get on the court that much together. When Booker has been out there, I think they're what nine and two. Does that sound right? Something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah, I'll pull it up while you're Um, talking. So I assume Booker's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Booker's going to be ready in this game. It's on the road. You know, the Lakers have been uh, a little up and down. The good thing for the Lakers is it looks like Rui Hachimura is going to be available to play coming off that nasal fracture. I think he had to have minor surgery on that, but he, he's he been out a week. He was actually active but didn't play uh, for the Lakers against the Rockets on, on uh, Saturday night. So um, they get Hachimura back for that game. Suns get Booker you know, back. Lakers get Hachimura back. Yeah. <laughs> very, potato, very much the same. Potato, potato. Well, you know the Lakers have, you know, struggled with injury availability uh, sure. throughout the season. Um, they did have, you know, Austin Reeves a really good game against the Rockets. Um, Austin Reeves is a really big sort of variable for the Lakers this year. He hasn't been the consistent uh, player that he was last year, especially at the end of the season. They moved him to the bench. He's continue to sort of be up and down in that role. The Lakers would think that they have a depth advantage in this uh, game. I mean, it listen, will we, be important we, what happens with Austin Reeves on the court with the second unit. I feel like that's going to be key parts of the game. We we can get into the, the, the weeds and, you know, the Hachimuras and how's Austin Reeves. Listen, you have two of the top 10 scores in NBA history. Yeah, Durant just up. moved into the top 10. Just moved Not in. that we didn't already know that. <laughs> Right, that's right. I, 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 I meant to hit Stats Williams on this, and it's my fault for not doing it. But I wonder how, like, when's the last time you had two top ten scores, like active top ten scores, match up? And dude, the crazy it would have been, it would have been Dirk oh, and, oh, he Dirk just texted me. This is the first time in 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 season tournament history two top ten <laughs> scores are playing each other. Uh, it would have been, been Dirk and LeBron, right? Okay, and so then my other point about it is this. 
I don't, I mean, maybe never have you had two top 10 in all-time scores match up that are still playing at this well, level. Well, that would have been, that would have probably, that would have been Malone and, and Jordan, I think, would have still maybe. been in that, yeah. in that. But since then, that's the last but time like, probably since then. LeBron somehow, some way, at the age of 97 years old, is still one <laughs> of the most dominant players in the league. Like, he's, he's still an all-NBA player. If he if he hits the games total, like there's no debate. Oh, he, he's been, and so he's is KD. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like the only question is, will they play the 65 games? So both of these guys, like they have not fallen off as KD's in his mid-30s and LeBron's in his late 30s. The only thing that's fallen off is the durability. But when they're on the floor, holy smokes. And just yeah. to, to get that, you know, they they played against each other for the first time in five years in the opener, just because of the circumstances, unfortunate injury time, and et cetera. So that's exciting. And then, like, when the secondary stars are at the level of an Anthony Davis and a, and a Devin Booker. I mean, Whoa, this calling Anthony Davis a secondary star. Well, what? What? He's he's well, the, I'm just he's not he's like, not the second star on that team. I, I think well, the real question is, I think the real question is, uh, who is the best player in the game? My answer would be Devin Booker. I was going to say it might be Devin Booker. It well, the thing about it is, as much as I have a case for how great Jokic has been this year and want to point out to that Devin Booker is putting together a very impressive resume for someone who's played you know 11 games but his playmaking in addition to his scoring has been just terrific he has been absolutely awesome so far this year he is tied Uh, and even even tied for fifth in the league and assists with his good friend and Christmas guest Luka Doncic I'm sure there's going to be warm feelings all around on on in, in that game. Listen, when you're around the Mavericks, there's a whole lot of warm and fuzzy kumbaya. Do you think? Do you think that uh, Devin will send Luca um, like a blanket or a rattle or something to celebrate the birth of his first child? There were people that were saying that this child is uh, the Gabriella uh, Luca's. Newborn daughter is uh, a sibling of Devin Booker, but I don't think that's accurate. I think that is maybe internet meme material. <laughs> Christmas night. Or is it Christmas afternoon? I can't remember what time it's it Christmas night. I believe it's Christmas night. Okay. Like I said, man, right. you know, they'll they'll just ah, it's gonna be a holiday. But first, but first, Devin Booker will deal with LeBron and Anthony Davis and the other secondary stars in that game. Um, so you know, in, in all honesty. Whoever wins this game goes to Vegas. Will you know if the Lakers were the best in-season tournament game? The, you know you're gonna you're gonna see a team that it will have earned their way there, and mm-hmm. probably will be favored over either the Kings or Pelicans. Maybe not. Maybe not uh, fairly. Um, we obviously could have a powerhouse Eastern Conference semifinal, but this game is uh, a lot of stakes in, in this one for sure. Yeah, I think the Suns um, are winning that game. This, the first two games these teams played. Devin Booker didn't play. Beal played in the second one. Suns controlled most of the game, and then the Lakers had a wild comeback in the fourth quarter to win in Phoenix. I just think with Booker and Durant, the Suns are just better, and I don't. Okay, so you declared you think up. the Knicks are beating the Bucks. Ooh, uh, and I will say this about the Bucks: the Bucks have had some sorcery to get some of their wins this year. Now that sorcerer, sorcerer <laughs> has this. been, you know, Dame Dalla, Mister Clutch. 
it hasn't been reigning cojones factor player of the month although <laughs> right. although he, right after that pot he had a uh you know they managed to lose to the bulls in overtime but neither here nor there uh yes but it was in december it was not in november i think it was so, the last night in november but anyway uh, was it okay well anyway um they're fourth the bucks are 14 and six but i'm not sure that's a a record that is representative of the way they've played, but um, oh, it's definitely it's so- definitely not. I mean, they've they've had a, a very they've had a pretty soft schedule, and they've had a lot of close wins. Now they get credit for Dane playing great in the clutch and winning those games, and that's part of what the theory of the case for trading yep. for him was. But it has only underscored the defensive issues, the depth issues, and some of the fit issues that they have. That's all. Well, anyway, Giannis did have his first triple-double of the season on Saturday night, so he's coming in uh, feeling good. So, anyway, you've declared you you like the Knicks and you like the Suns. Do you want to go, Bontemps, any further on the I had to fill out a bracket. Did you guys get asked to fill out a a bracket? Wendy probably got asked. I don't make predictions. You know, no, no, no. Wendy doesn't make predictions. No sorry, Bob. He makes he makes predictions and then says he doesn't make them. It's, he, a, it's, he, a, good, he, it's a good business. He makes European trips more often than he makes predictions. <laughs> Technically, where I'm at is not part of Europe. I for my bracket, I had uh, really? Celtics, Kings, Knicks, and Suns. I had Celtics and Kings winning, and I had the Celtics winning the tournament. Oh. I think Kings I beating Bucks the Suns in the semifinal. I believe I had Bucks over Knicks. I had Celtics over Suns in the uh, in the final. Okay. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. Uh, so we are a quarter of the way or so into the season. And attempt for straw poll has not yet been deployed. But um, we thought we would take a look at uh, some of the other uh, awards that um, where they were a uh, quarter of the way into the season. And let's start with an interesting one, rookie of the year. This is it's Listen, fair to say it's a two-man race. Yeah, we talked about this. I think it's pretty clear cut. I think it's the guy that I saw last night, Chet Holmgren. And it wasn't a great Chet performance for most of it, but boy, at the end, did he come through with some swats. He ends up with like 11 points, 11 rebounds, five blocks. But Chet has played better than Wimby and obviously a much better situation, a situation where he has a chance to win, but he's contributing to winning. Quick side note, Derek Lively II had 20 points, 16 rebounds, 7 blocks in that game. He had a 16-10 double-double against Wimby. Listen, this kid's got a bright, bright future. He's been an impact player now, and he does love playing against those rookie of the year front runners. It seems. Look, but. this has been a yeah, it's been a really deep rookie class. I mean, Lively's playing well. Asar, I mean, Detroit. The basically the only upside thing for Detroit all they, season. They just took Asar, Asar Thompson, Thompson out of starting lineup. Wow, totally I, makes sense. Totally, totally makes make, sense. totally makes sense. But that'll, he's been that'll, that'll help you win for the first time since uh, yeah. 2011. He's he's been a fun story. Jaime Hawkes has been fantastic for Miami. Um, you know, has really carved out a huge role uh, for them this season. You know, when Jimmy Butler's out, he's basically running the team for them at the moment with Tyler Hero banged up. Um, so, you, I mean, you go through this class, there's been a ton of guys who've had a big impact. But, yeah, I don't I don't think this is up for much of a debate. Chet's flirting with a 50-40-90 season, averaging yeah. 17 a game and two blocks a game and eight rebounds a game for a Thunder team that's in the playoff mix and – the only reason we're not talking about how abject of a disaster the Spurs are is because the, the Pistons are even worse. 
<laughs> so you know, and that's no. I think uh, obviously no, Victor's hey, got listen. a chance to be an incredible player, but they're two and or three and whatever. Like you know, nobody, if the, if the nobody, are close and one guy's contributing to a playoff team. Nobody can succinctly describe a disaster like the USWB Tim Bontemps baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, Wembenyama is almost averaging twenty and ten, and three blocks. Yeah, he's been great. So. He's I, having a I'm rookie just, of the year caliber season, but Chet's been better. Yes, yes. I don't know if Chet's been better than Victor, but it's very hard to, well, I mean, they don't play the same role. And it's Fair. very hard to give somebody an award who's been on a team that's lost 14 games in a row or whatever it's at. Yeah. Um, so Chet has the luxury of fitting in with yeah, a Victor, starting lineup and Victor's yeah, on, a, on a rebuilding team. It's not a it's not a knock on Victor at all. He's, he's great. I'm just, but... Just saying 20, 10, and three blocks is essentially what he's averaging. He's not quite at those numbers. If you round up, that's where he's at. So um, sure. The other guy's averaging 17, eight, and two blocks, and is at like 50, 39, 87. Listen, so I mean, I, you know, I'm, they've both been great. I would, I would, if I had to vote today, I would vote for Chet, but mm-hmm. I have seen some people like saying that Victor ain't it. And I'm oh, like, Victor's oh, it. really? <laughs> Victor's still it. I mean, who, he's a guy. Uh, what are we, what are we doing here, Brian? Yeah. No one is saying that. No oh, one is yes, saying they Victor are. ain't. There's okay. plenty Who's of people saying, saying, people. saying it. Many people are saying. Many wow. people are saying. <laughs> Come on. Um, I will say this. You know, that's I know a ridiculous straw that's a ri- man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a ridiculous straw man you are creating to try to like. To I'm not creating. Playing great. I Who's saying not, it? I'm not creating. Name names. Call them out. I have seen some people say some things about Victor, like, you know, people with IQs higher than his Jersey number. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Coach of the year at this point. Um, I bad loss on, uh, on Saturday, they got blown out, but uh, it's very hard to look at everything and not credit Jamal Mosley and what he's been doing with the Orlando magic. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They were on the second night of a back to back. They'd won. I mean, they, they were, they were perfectly fine after the game. Ironically. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about that game, but ironically they have, they've gotten routed twice by the nets uh, before that streak started and ending it, which is kind of interesting. Everybody else, they're 14 and four, including some really impressive wins. They've had a great start. It's going to be a big month for them. They play the Cavs a couple times. They'll play the Bucks. They play the Celtics. I think by the end of the month, we're going to have a really play the Sixers and Knicks. You know, by the end of December, we're going to have a really good feel, I think, for how legitimate this Orlando team is. I would give Jamal the, the coach of the year award right now because he has done an incredible job. There's one other name that I would debate with it. Let's see well, if the you're two, thinking the, the same two, thing. The two, the two, the two. You know, Ime having the, the Rockets in the playing mix certainly is impressive. I think you could put him in the conversation, but I think the top three right now, in some order, is Jamal, Jamal Mosley, Chris Finch with the Wolves, who has that's, them first. That's the guy. The that's and, the guy that I would seriously and Mark Dagnold, who has the Thunder in second. Like if Those they finish the first and second in the West, in the, the the Magic are in the top four or six in the East. It's going to be hard for me to argue anybody else will be on the ballot. Yeah, and with the, well, the with thing the, about Finch is. Finch has a certain philosophy about how he wants to play, and that philosophy is paying dividends. And you know, he was it didn't work really last year, but that philosophy is paying dividends, and they're defending and they're and they're piling up wins, and they've been impressive. So well, you gotta they, you gotta give him credit for that. And when the Go Bear trade was made, and you're talking about how's this thing gonna fit offensively, they're still not a great offensive team, but they're significantly improved, and you know a lot of those concerns are being figured out. But a lot of the talk was, hey, Chris Finch is one of the most creative coaches in the league. He's one mm-hmm. of the best X's and O's guys in the league. If if someone's gonna figure it out, you like his odds. And they figured it out to the tune of uh, 15 and four. 
you know, Ime Adoka, like the the improvement the Rockets have made on the defensive end, you know, obviously personnel has helped. Six, Dylan Brooks. Sixth in the league in defense. Right. Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, but, you know, to have Alpi Shingoon uh, as part of a top six defense, like you've got to give Ime Adoka a ton of credit. Probably to be a coach of the year candidate, they're going to have to win at least one road game this season. And that is yet to happen. <laughs> it's true. Um, By the way, that, there's that one team. Fired. There's one team in the NBA in the top five in offense and defense. Who is it? One team in the NBA. Uh, Boston. Nope. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Fifth yeah, and, in both. And listen, Dagonall, the old LinkedIn coach. I listen. I've been told by a high-ranking Thunder executive not to say LinkedIn coach, but that's what this man was when he was hired. I googled his name, and the first thing that popped up was his LinkedIn profile. That's how anonymous he was. All he has done is patiently and step-by-step step been a massive part of this thing being built. Boom, boom, boom. Developing these guys. A huge part of coaching is development. The no Thunder develop players. And then just figuring out the pieces. And, you know, Dagonal, the fascinating thing about him is everybody on the team plays and obviously you know they've got their starters and then isaiah joe's kind of the the sixth man and by the way who is he a, has he been a find they got him uh, for free you know they got him wallace, for free based on wallace who if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about guys who are having really really good rookie seasons another rookie's richardson, been great texas richardson texas's uh case on wallace needs to be mentioned in that conversation as well but like the rotation the, the bench guys it can be totally different game to game, week to week. He's just got such a good feel for how to keep everybody involved. You know, what when might be a good time? When's a Kenrich Williams game? When's a Jalen Williams game? You know, on Davis Bertans, uh, the 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 biggest story coming out of last night's game at the American Airlines Center was the Davis Bertans revenge game, baby. The man had 15 points on three field goal attempts. Are you kidding me? But yeah, Dagonal's done a phenomenal job there in Oklahoma City. And look, man, I it's too early to say the Thunder are contenders, but they might be as soon as this spring, brother. Well, listen, they they're might fifth already in the league. be contenders. I'm going to say they're breakfast. contenders. I'm going to say they're contenders right now. They're fifth hey. in the league in offense. They're fifth in the league in defense, and they're second only to the Celtics in net rating, eight point four points per hundred possessions. Better. I I think you have to say they're a contending team. The West is what the yeah. West. If you want to say Denver's first, I believe Denver's first. After that. I think you make so a case the, for a whole bunch of teams to be second. And they're one of them. You know, we'll say this about the Thunder. If you're top five in both, you're a contender. It's almost like you can't yeah. not be. You have to do it more than in December. I will say this. Right. You know, it was an interesting trade. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was talking about possible trades that the Thunder could make. And I said, well, they've got the Victor Oladipo contract. And I was told, no, no, they traded yeah. that for Kevin Porter. I forgot about that That's transaction. Amazing. Forgot about it. And yeah, but look, they've they, got plenty. And they, wave like, they do have. I know they have Bertans. Sorry. But I'm just saying, like, Sam Presti gave this speech before the start of the season about improving this roster. And I really liked it. And he, he, you know, he came up with this phrase where he's like, we have to finish our breakfast, mm -hmm. which was <laughs> very succinct and well said. I really like it. It's, it's, it, it's going to take discipline to do that. And Sam Presti's, one of the league leaders of discipline. So I, I don't have a doubt, but I, th I think they're eating lunch right now, brother. I think they got a big old slab of barbecue ribs on that plate right well, now. This, Oklahoma, this Oklahoma barbecue ain't that good, but the, the thunder are this season oh, was about figuring out how their pieces fit together. The biggest part of that, like we've talked about a bunch was whether Chet Holmgren could be a center. 
not only has he been a center since day one, he's been awesome. And like that, that's totally changed the trajectory for their team by having well, and him be also, able to play five all the time. It's also about, do they need to go get another star? And the answer might be no. The answer might be no. Let's We've got Shea Gildas-Alexander, who is a superstar. Chet Holmgren looks like he's a star. Jalen Williams, J-Dub, as they say. Uh, if he's your third player, whoo, he's, he's a pretty damn good. The one area player. where they do not excel is rebounding. Yeah, they're small. They are. They are small. Yeah. And so as you look at them going forward and you think about playoff series, they can't afford to potentially get worked on the boards like they have at times this season. I'm not saying that's something they have to address before February, but it's something they're going to have to address. Oh well, yeah. Time. That's the, yeah. Wing, wing size, wing size. And just, I think some shooting overall are the two things I think you look at for them. Like they, they're just a little slight and they, they don't have a ton of guys that you feel super confident about shooting the ball late in games from perimeter. Yeah. Like those, that's not something that J dub does. He does. J dub does. Many, many, well, it's not something well. Shea really does either. Like, he's doing it more, it's but it's not like he's yeah. it's not like he's a bomber, you know. That's why Isaiah Joe is so Isaiah Joe's been team. huge right. for them. Yep. Uh, okay. And, and Chet, um, most and Chet is a shooter. That's yes, true. Absolutely. He addressed their dangerous. rim protection needs, which were glaring, and their three point shooting needs. No question. You mentioned Alpie Shea a little bit ago. He would definitely be a serious contender at this point for most improved. Most improved is going to be a it's always a scatter category um but shengun would be a strong candidate for most improved i know tyrese some people Maxey'd be in the mix too tyrese maxi for sure i know some people have this thing about not voting for second year players for most improved shengun's a third year player so he would <laughs> he would qualify on anything but tyrese maxi obviously has a very compelling case um not sure if you guys have anybody else you like up there uh, off the top of my head those are the two i think that stand out i'm sure there's others that's always an award where there's a lot of candidates like coach of the year yeah, I, and before be, we, yeah, oh, I was gonna say, I'm, I've not put a ton of thought into most player yet at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, I just did a drive by. All right, and then the last one I want to talk about before we uh, move on is uh, defensive player of the year. Um, Rudy Gobert yes. is playing together. A Rudy's strong back. Case. Rudy's back. Yeah. Last year, he did not mm. look like physically he was going to get back to being the level he was before. Frankly, this summer at the World Cup, when France was disappointing, he didn't look like he was going to get back to the player he was before. But he is flying around on defense in like he was in his prime Utah days. And the fact that this team, with Carl Anthony Towns playing at the four, with obviously they've got Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, but that they're leading the league in defense, that's because Rudy Gobert is back to being the best defensive player in the league and is dominating inside. And that's what that was the vision for the trade when they made it was that Rudy Gobert is good enough on defense where they could be a supersized version of that Utah team where you've got Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards bombing away on offense. And you've got Rudy Gobert at the rim making plays. And that's why they're first in the league in defense. That's why they're first in the West. I, I don't even think there's a close second right now. For defensive player of the year. Yeah. And look, it's, it would be a historical thing. If he wins it, it would be his fourth. Uh, and trust me, that man is motivated. He knows that's that right. Man is motivated. <laughs> and you know, he's, he's came in the season with a chip on his shoulder. He wants to remind people that he's the best defensive player in the world. That's, that's his mind frame. And he's doing it. And he's doing it. 
And he's doing, and it's one of those things like when when Gobert is at his best defensively, it's not about like shots blocked. It's not even about shots contested. A lot of times, it's about shots that are reconsidered and that not is attempted. absolutely correct. He's got to lead the league in shot. I, I know I don't know. There could be a snappier term than reconsidered shots, but you see it all the time. And sometimes mm-hmm. he's not even that close to the play. You see yeah. the guy. I mean, it's it's almost. I I remember one time. I, I have this really good memory of one time watching uh, Tony Allen defend Kevin Durant, and there in this one play. I mean, Durant was in his absolute prime, scoring champ, all this stuff, and Allen got hung up on a screen. And it was the fourth quarter of the game. Allen got hung up on the screen, was nowhere to be found. Durant caught the ball at the foul line, and immediately turned and covered up because he was so. And this is Durant isn't bothered by anybody. Let's be honest. And he is because Tony Allen was so in his head and so aggressive and so strong and always there that he was defending him when he wasn't even there. And that's how Gobert plays when he's absolutely at his best. He can defend you when he's not even standing there. And that happens all of the time when you watch. I mean, you're worried about him. Yes. Yeah, he right. changes he changes the geometry of the offense when he is playing at his best. And our guy Worldwide Wob has been cutting up these clips from games lately, but just showing him flying around for two minute stretches at a time, just wreaking yeah. havoc on the opposition. And it's been fun to see because like the peak Rudy at seven three, like he's always sort of gotten a raw deal, I think, with how athletic he is at his size because people just see him as a huge guy and think he's just sitting at the rim. And when he when he's moving around the court like this, it just totally short circuits what these teams are doing. And it, it's it's fun to see him playing like that again. I frankly didn't think we were going to see mm-hmm. that guy again. I mean, you know him even better than I do, McMahon, or certainly a lot better than I do. I didn't know what your thought was on it. But after the way the last 12 months went, I, or 15 months, including the World Cup, I was thinking he was going to come in and look like this. Yeah, certainly concern. Um, you know, and, and I've... I've uh, Talked with Rudy a little bit over these last, uh, you know, over during this season. And man, he's just, he's comfortable. He's excited. You know, everything's finished. He, and he's never played with defenders as good as Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. Both those guys are banged up right now, but he has, and all due respect to Royce O'Neill, he is not anywhere near the level of those guys as, you know, wing and on ball. Uh, defenders, you know, getting Mike Conley for the Wolves was just huge. You can't look yeah, you at go Conley. back. You go back you to can't last look at the box score numbers. No, you go back to last year's trade deadline when they got Conley, and you look at them from then forward. It's just such a radically different team than when they had D'Angelo Russell the first half of last year. And, and look, we take or we, me, you guys are very friendly. At least Wendy is. Bond Pimps, you're a jackass. But you know, I've taken my fair little jabs at uh, Spigs Bamot, the greatest self-proclaimed greatest shooting big man of all time, Carl Anthony Towns. But you've got to give him credit too. You know, is he the weak link on on their defense? Sure, but the, it's a cliche for a reason. You're only as strong as your weak link. He is. He's playing hard. He's participating. He's you know he's doing what he needs to do uh, within that system. And I think you also have to give him credit for kind of, uh, you know, not pouting and being a diva about, hey, it's Ant's team now. You're, you're, you know, you're the number two guy. Carl Anthony Towns is really playing good basketball as well. 
Um, yeah, he's averaging 22 and nine on 50, 40, 90, which I just yeah. looked up. Remember when he wasn't hitting yeah. shots the first few weeks of the season? Yeah. That is ended. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> yeah, Cat Cat's really playing well, and he's been a big, big, big part of the Timberwolves being uh, the number one team in the Western Conference to this point. Other defense player of the year candidates, let's at least mention some guys. <laughs> Somehow the Celtics traded a defense player of the year guard and got a better one, Drew Holiday. Is is uh absolutely got to be on Drew Holiday in that end of that 76ers game made a couple of just subtle defensive brilliant plays. It was just, I actually he's, think he's, he's, he's been, been he's been fantastic. I actually think the guy in the Celtics who has been the best defensive player for them has been Chris Asporzingis, who has been in their system. They have him at the rim, and you talk about guys reconsidering shots. I mean, he there are a lot of guys who get in the lane and like, oh man, what do we do? With Porzingis standing there at the rim, he has been great. That's wild because his Carlisle's last year in Dallas, Porzingis was one of the worst defensive players. I know. I mean, he was coming off the meniscus and he was miserable, absolutely miserable. Uh, couldn't move and and wasn't <laughs> motivated to move if he could. Yeah, uh, but no, he's he's been great too. And then I look, we talked about Chad as rookie of the year. <laughs> Thunder is a top five defense with him patrolling things in the middle and swatting stuff and all kinds of things. He's got to be a he's got to be a guy who would be on ballots if you're doing the this point of the season DPOI voting. Mitchell all right, Robinson so two items has been awesome. Oh yeah, Mitchell Robinson has been terrific, and uh, if there was an offensive rebounder of the year, Mitchell Robinson. They needed to invent another. <laughs> he new might be trophy. the best offensive rebounder since uh, since Moses Malone. At the say, he yeah. is absolutely a killer in the offensive glass. Um, okay, a couple of notes real quick. First off, first off, we have a uh, an odd week here with the pod because we typically record on Tuesdays, and the there's games late Tuesday night. And we're not going to be able to do that Tuesday night. I don't really even have it figured out yet. Plus, we're recording our live show on Friday night in Vegas. So the pod schedule may be a little bit off and just chug my cards. I don't know what it's going to be yet. So, so just bear, bear with us a little bit. We will have a podcast that goes up on Saturday off the live show on Friday, but we're going to be a little bit off. And of course that live show, there's a whole bunch of people who are going to find out in the next 48 hours that their team is going to Vegas this weekend. Still tickets available for our, for hoop collective live show. McMahon will be there. Pemps will be there. Some special guests. We'll have more special guests. We're not going to announce anything yet. Uh, Wendy trading cards will be there. Those tops cards. He's yes. bringing them, baby. I have the cards have come with me to the UK and they will in, you know, baggage handling, willing, make the trip. Uh, I, I have, I have some, I don't know if I have enough for everybody, but I have some. And, for a variety of uh, reasons, we're not you, sharing any guests yet, but we do have some pretty cool guests confirmed so far. So excited for, very excited for yeah. Friday. Going to be a lot of fun. Okay. And you can yeah, check that out at Bitly. There. The IT department will be there. Um, you can, if you're, if you're, if Bontemps picked against your team tonight, you can bring in a tomato and throw it at him. Just kidding. I don't know kidding. if should be encouraging that. <laughs> People probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just wait till you, get, you see him on the street. Okay. Right. Uh, bit I recommend bit batteries. Bitly <laughs> slash Wendy Hoop Vegas, uh, for ticket information. Uh, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Bon Temps. Thank you to Dan Stanzik for fitting, filling in for Jackson tonight. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you at some point later this week. Adios, amigos. <laughs> <laughs>